title of this, this is the introduction to the book of Revelation, The Unveiling, from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It was commentator Lamus Strauss who called the book of Revelation an excellent finish to the divine library. I think that's a great way of putting it. Uh, Revelation is indeed the final book of the entire Bible, all 66 books. This is the last one, and it provides a fantastic finish to God's library as it details and describes the final days and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was Tim LaHaye who said in some years past, Tim LaHaye has since gone home to be with the Lord, but in years past, Tim LaHaye said, if ever a generation needed to study this book, it is ours. We are probably living at the time when these things will begin to come to pass. Now, he said that several years ago. I'm thinking how much more true his words are now than when he first wrote those words. Now, of these things, these quotes, and of the book of Revelation, and of Bible studies like this, there are uh, plenty of skeptics. And they say that uh, um, somebody like me, or like you, says Jesus is coming back soon, they will say, you are crazy, right? But the Bible addresses that regarding the last days. Peter wrote, 2 Peter chapter 3, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. They'll be making fun of you for saying Jesus is coming. They will say, where is the promise that are this coming he has promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on just as it always has since the beginning of creation. Come on. How many times have you heard that? We tell somebody, man, Jesus is coming soon. Ah, come on. Been hearing that forever. Tim LaHaye used to say that. Hal Lindsey's been saying it for years. Now you're saying it. People said it in the 1800s and the 1700s and so forth. Then Peter continues this and says this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. The, the day of the Lord will come as like a thief, right? The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Ouch! So let's get started so we can get a really good understanding, all right? Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's read these three verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. That would be, we're servants, right? Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. John's the one who wrote the book of Revelation, the Apostle John, who also wrote the Gospel of John, who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. John the Apostle, John chapter 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word dwelt among us. So that's what's being referred to in verses 1 and 2. John was with the Word of God. He was with Jesus Christ. He bore testimony of Jesus. He was a witness, right? Verse 3. Blessed, oh, I love this, is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, let me stop here. The time is near. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. 
Jesus hasn't come back yet. So what's going on here? I'm going to put it all together tonight, and I believe you'll go, aha, that makes sense. But before we go to that place where I define all of that for you, I want to deal with four subjects. It's this. When we go through the book of Revelation, I want to make sure that we are educated, informed, encouraged, and ready. We need to be educated, right, as Christians. Um, We need to be informed about what is going on in the world, but also about the Word of God. Um, Somebody was asked recently, in fact, it was Jack Hibbs, was asked recently on a TV episode I was watching about Bible prophecy and things going on in this world and and, uh, the accusations that come. Well, you, you look at the Bible and you look at everything that's going on in the world and you start to interpret everything based upon what the Bible says. And and this, it was a Christian person who was arguing about it, and, and, and uh, you, know, going, you know, that's wrong to do that. And he simply said, well, I'd rather interpret it with the Bible than without the Bible. Without the Bible, I look at everything, oh, we're all going to die. I mean, you look at everything. What do you deal with, with the current problems that we have? With everything in this life, I interpret it according to the Bible. Why would I not be informed regarding the current events and what the Bible has to say to make sure that I am educated, informed, encouraged, and ready. Amen? Okay, so that's what we're going to do. First of all, I, we want to be educated. As Christians, we ought to be educated in the books of the Bible. Therefore, when we go through the book of Revelation, we will learn so that we can think through this book with our brain and not with our emotion. That everything that we see take place doesn't cause us to go and run up in the hills and say, it's all over today and so forth. We're going to look at it through the Word and we are going to use our brains. Although there are times when our emotions will get the best of us, we will make sure that we have that balance. And as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to... Excuse me one second. I have no water. First time up here... I have no water. There's a musician's water right there. I might take it. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, it is what it is. <clears throat> That's right. That's okay. Thank you very kindly, though. Okay. I'm trusting that will be edited. We'll see. Uh, as we go through the series, I also want to encourage you to take notes, right? And the things that I say, be a good Berean and check them out according to the Word to make sure that I'm not leading you astray or down some crazy path, all right? So therefore, being educated as Christians, in this book we will learn doctrinal terms and theological terms and even the differences of interpretations on some of these things. While we do that, and we're going to start here in just a second with that, it will help you to think with your own brain with the Word of God and by the Spirit of God to be able to go, aha, I'm not just regurgitating something I heard, I'm able to think through the process. So, theological term or doctrinal term, I'm going to throw the first one out there right now, all right? It is regarding the millennial kingdom. So the millennial kingdom comes from a term that means 1,000. What is the millennial kingdom? Well, toward the end of the book of Revelation, the Bible assumes and even teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ will come back from heaven. Those who are with him will come back with him. He's on a white horse. We follow him. 
He comes down to this planet, to Armageddon, then over to Jerusalem, and he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem for 1,000 years. But of this teaching of a thousand year millennial kingdom, or the messianic kingdom as it is also called, of this teaching of the thousand year millennial kingdom, there are three primary different views, and they all get a lot of what you might call airplay. What are they? Well, the first one I want to show you is called millennial or millennialism, which teaches there will be no future literal 1,000 year reign of Christ on earth. Ah means no, hence ah millennial or no millennial. Generally, those who have this view do not interpret future Bible prophecies as literal, but symbolic or spiritual. So when you see certain things in the book of Revelation, or, or basically all of the book of Revelation, almost all of it, um, book of Daniel, uh, lots of the Old Testament prophets where the Old Testament prophets are talking about the last days or the latter days, they'll say, well, these things are all symbolic. Um, I have a, a problem with that. I'll show you in, in a minute. But nevertheless, um, that's what all millennialism teaches. And there are a lot of people who go to Christian churches that believe that a lot of the events were fulfilled prophetically way back at uh, before uh, 70 A.D. or in 70 A.D. or around the time of the writing of the book of Revelation. And, and hence, there is no millennial kingdom coming where Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Uh, another teaching on the millennial kingdom is called post-millennial. And that teaches that the church is in the process of building the kingdom of God right now by being a positive influence in the world, right? And that Christ will return after the church establishes a righteous kingdom on earth. Now, I love the thought, but I'm watching the world get less and less influenced for Christ. Um, what what happened? Here, here's the deal. And a lot of the people who believe all millennial and post millennial, great Christian people. I my I have a young brother, younger brother. Um, who, he's all millennial. Um, that's just what he believes. I still believe he loves Jesus, although he's wrong. But, you know what, I think he'll go to heaven. I tell him he's wrong. Um, but with post-millennial, a lot, of, a lot of missionaries are post-millennial because what happens is they believe, I must take the word of the Lord to the four corners of the earth to the people who do not yet have it, until the word goes to every single place there is on the planet, Jesus won't come, right? Because Jesus says the world will be preached to all the world, and then I will return. However, what they fail to remember is that, you'll learn it when we go through the book of Revelation, it's not until the tribulation period, when you have 144,000 Jews that fulfill the commandment to get the word through the world, and an angel flies around the entire world proclaiming the gospel to those who have not yet heard it. But with that process, it is somewhat of a works environment that's established because I must take Christ to the world, which is great, right? That we ought to be motivated to do that. But I can tell you right now, we are not going to establish a, a, a righteous kingdom on the whole planet and then Christ is going to return to it. It's a wonderful thought. All you got to do is just look at the world and realize it is deteriorating exactly as the Bible says, which takes me to the last teaching on the millennial kingdom. It's called premillennial or premillennialism. It's the literal interpretation of Scripture, and it holds that Christ will return 
and establish his millennial kingdom where he will rule and reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. Now, this last one is my viewpoint. I do take the book of Revelation literally. I'll even explain that when you come to the place of signs and symbols that don't make much sense. I take the book of Daniel literally. I take the second prophecies regarding the second coming of Christ as literal. And because I do, you want to know what? The world that I live in now, it makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. I am looking for Jesus to come back. I am looking for him ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, and I cannot wait. It is going to be totally awesome. And in that millennial kingdom, you want to know what happens to a place like Hemet, California? It's going to be kind of like paradise. Imagine that, if you will. We've all seen the stickers, Hemet is heaven. Um, you know, the day is coming. That's all i got to say. So let's be encouraged, let's be educated, let's be informed. Let's, number three, um, oh, I'm on number two. Sorry about that. Wow. We've only been by one, and I'm almost out of time? i got like 19 more things to talk about. Well, I'm just going to talk faster. So let's go back here. What are we going to do? We want to be informed. Uh, In regards to the last days, I want you to think of this. Daniel was given various prophecies so that those who are living in the last days would be able to look at the prophecies and understand what was going on. Now, in the days of Daniel, over 500 years before Christ was born, so over 2,500 years ago, he was given the prophecies, and Daniel is seeing these visions, and Daniel is saying, I don't get it. Show me what these things mean. Daniel is told by the angel, but you, Daniel, shut up the words. And seal the book until the time of the end. But Daniel's still like, well, wait a minute, he says to the angel. I still don't get it. Please let me understand what is going to happen in the last days. Again, we read, same chapter 12. Although I heard, Daniel says, I did not understand. And then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And the angel said, notice that's a small L. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just that term of respect. So he's talking to an angel. And the angel said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. So so, uh, Daniel, he's not getting the prophecies of the time of the end. He's told they will be sealed up until when? Until the time of the end. Same chapter, chapter 12. Daniel is told by the angel to write these words. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But Daniel, I want you to know this. In the time of the end, these things are sealed up until the time of the end. The wise will understand. Just for the record, many shall be purified. In other words, they're going to be persecuted, even martyred for their faith. There's more martyrs happening now than for Christ at any time in the history of the world. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Did you know that it's estimated that there are more Christians in China in the underground church than there are people that live in the United States of America? Isn't that unbelievable? And you start looking at the Islamic world, and there are more people coming to Christ in the Islamic world under the threat of death than any other place in the world right now. At the same time, the Western world seems to be collapsing when it comes to 
uh, faith in Christ. But many will be purified, persecuted. Uh, the wicked will do wickedly, and they're not going to get it. They're just going to continue on in their wickedness, right? But the wise are going to get it. The wise will understand, right? So here's the deal. Daniel told, seal up the prophetic word. In the time of the end, the wise will get it. Those who look at the prophecies of the second coming of Christ, I believe, and take them literally and apply themselves, Lord, help me to understand these things. God says, they'll get it. Now understand this. The term revelation, it means, comes from a Greek word apocalypsis or apocalypsis, as I believe it's also pronounced. The English word is apocalypse. In fact, in some of your Bibles, mine says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Some of the tops of your Bibles will say the apocalypse of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, By the way, the word apocalypse or revelation does not mean doomsday. We hear of the apocalypse and movies are made about the apocalypse being doomsday. That's not what it means. You want to know what it means? Revelation or apocalypse simply means to be unveiled or to be revealed. So what did Daniel say? Seal up. Revelation, unveil. Daniel says, at that time, the wise who are looking at the prophetic word, it will be unveiled to them and they will be able to connect the dots and they will be able to get it. This term unveiled or revealed, it carries the idea, it literally means to go behind the curtain or to take the lid off. I love that idea, taking the lid off. Um, think of it like this. I go home. Sometimes I walk in the door of my house, and there was a loaf of bread cooking, baking. Do you know what that smells like? I mean, do you know what that smells like? I have two major weaknesses, bread and cheese. Man, I love them both. I've never made a, a cheese I haven't liked or a bread I haven't liked. But, but you open up, sometimes there's a loaf of bread baking. Uh, 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 oh, and then other times there's something else cooking on the stove. And I go over, oh, it smells so good. I take the lid off. Oh, I look in. It's my favorite meal. There it is. Oh, delicious. I've liked spaghetti since I was just a wee little lad. I still like it. Oh, you take the lid off, and there it is. Revelation takes the lid off so we can see what is inside. Is it possible that we live in the generation that can accurately have end-time understanding revealed to us in a way that could not happen in past generations? I believe Yes, and when taught rightly and examined properly, we have an understanding in our current generation that was sealed up to any previous generations. Let me give you just four examples, all right? This is real simple. Um, With technology, when you look at Revelation chapter 13, which we will not go to tonight, the Bible tells us that in that time of the tribulation period, the last days, when the Antichrist is ruling, that it will be required that everyone receives the mark of the name of the beast, the 666, or they cannot buy or sell anything. That was never possible before to be able to track every single person on the planet before our time because of technology. The databases that are necessary, our phones, we are being tracked everywhere. Every single thing we do is going into a database. In fact, if all you do is deal with cash, it's being you're known that you withdraw cash, 
right? So you start looking at all of these things, and you realize we live in an, in an age that Revelation chapter 13 and the mark of the beast never was possible before for the whole world. Right now, it's possible, and everything is in place to be able to do it. Uh, we think of wars uh, and, and um, rumors of wars, right? Jesus said one of the signs of the last days is the wars and rumors of wars. But in Revelation chapter 6, there are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The second horseman is the red horse, the war horse. And that horse uh, represents war that is so massive, if it wasn't kept in check, the whole world would be able to be eliminated, blown up. We live in a time when that was never possible before. Right now, the weapons are there, and the people are heated up, and people are worried that we are going to all be dead. Did you know that 5 billion of the current 7 billion people on the planet live in what's called the destabilization area? 5 billion. That includes America, by the way. You look at that and you go, well, because of the threats of wars. Start looking at this and go, man, this is just absolutely uh, crazy. Wars and rumors of wars. And never has it been like this before. And then, of course, there's the fear of what is coming. Listen to these words. This, these are the words of Jesus himself. Luke chapter 21. Listen to this. Tell me if this doesn't sound like now. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations. Sound like now? With perplexity, the sea and waves roaring. Listen to this. Men's hearts will fail them from the fear and expectation of things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The fear of what is coming. I am talking to more people now than ever before that are fearful of what is taking place place wow and then the apostle paul wrote to, to uh, timothy and said in the last days perilous times will come um they're perilous but they're going to become more perilous i didn't want to hear that tonight pastor tom listen this is what you do want to hear jesus wins and if you're in christ you're on the winning side so you're going to be okay uh, one more one more of the four things is uh the nation of israel <coughs> god had a covenant with abram that he was not done with Israel. He promised, Ezekiel chapter 36 and chapter 37, he would bring them back into the land in the last days in unbelief. And then we know from the book of Revelation and other places that during the tribulation period, after the Jews are gathered back in the land and the tribulation has started, that the Jews are going to come to faith in Yeshua, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I look at the nation of Israel, I understand that Israel is the apple of God's eye. Jerusalem is his city. And it puts everything into a particular time place for me to be able to connect the dots. However, I want to say this before we move on. Is that, um, am I only on the second one? Wow! Okay, I better hurry. Really hurry. How many did I say I had? 19? That's not true, but still, right? I only have two more after this. And then a conclusion that's an hour and a half long. But no, I'm kidding about that. Um, with, when you study a, a, a book like this or the subject of Bible prophecy, we need to be wise and, and careful. And um, we need to make sure that we are navigating through these things rightly. We don't want the news events to interpret the Bible. All right? You want the Bible must interpret everything else. Everything else in your life relationships that you have, 
right? Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, the times that we live in, allow the Bible to interpret and be your guide. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, whether it be 2,000 years ago or whether it be us who are living in these days. So it's, it's understanding this. And when we look at this, we want to make sure that we are balanced. Are we living in the last days? I believe that we are. However, uh, before you run into uh, the mountain up there at Idlewild and you put on your white robe or your Nikes or whatever it is, or you stand on your roof wanting to be the first one to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Don't do that, right? I heard about this lady. She was jumping on a trampoline practicing for the rapture. I'm not so sure. I Listen, when Jesus calls me up, it doesn't matter how much you weigh, all right? You're, that's not going to affect anything. Jesus is saying, so can you imagine if you ate too much? Oh, man, hey, help me over here, Gabriel. Hey, don't worry about it, all right? You don't need to be practicing. You need to love Jesus. You need to love the Lord. But know this. I want you to understand this, that since the day of Pentecost, we've been in the last days. Did you know that? Some of you do. That was some close to 2,000 years ago. It's been the last days. Hence, there's people that Peter said, in the, the last of the last days, just before Jesus returns, there will be mockers saying, it's always been this way. So they're saying, since, uh, since the days of Pentecost, it's been this way. Well, how is that, that that was the last days, the days we live in as the last days? I'll show you, and I find this fascinating. In Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So that was written about 35 years or so after Pentecost. So this last days has been going on for about 2,000 years, 1,950 years. It's right in there. Well, that is crazy. Last days back then? Last days, well, which one is it? Well, understand this. God also tells us in 2 Peter, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Oh, okay, so two days it's been. Well, in a very real sense, I'm going to show you. I, w- I want you to think of this, all right? You know what a time warp is? Woo, right? You know what that is, right? So think of it like we're kind of in a time warp. We're in this bubble. Back in the first century, the Roman Empire was in charge. Jews were persecuted. Christians were persecuted, Right? Pentecost has happened, um, and since that time, Christians, or, or Gentiles, excuse me, have been coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Jews still persecuted, Christians persecuted much of the world. But the Roman Empire was in charge back then. You fast forward to the time of the end, the tribulation period. Guess what? Jews persecuted. Anybody who comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ during that time has their head cut off. And guess who's the power again? A revived Roman Empire. We live, I I find that fascinating. It's like everything picks up in the tribulation exactly where it left off in the first century. We would call this period that we live in from Pentecost until the time when Jesus comes. We would call it the age of grace. The Bible calls it the the, time. time of the Gentiles. In fact, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, 
God says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery regarding all these things. The Jews, uh, the time of the Gentiles, the age of grace, until the time of the Gentiles is filled, the time we live in. Um, God's not going to return until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, and then God turns his attention to Israel once again. And that is the time of the revived Roman Empire. So right now we live in that time. So it has been the last days since Pentecost. You look at that and you go, this seems to make a a, a little bit uh, more sense. And it's only been two days, too. By our standards, we look at it and go, man, it has been a long, long, long time. God says, are you kidding me? That was just the other day. So what do we want to do? Two more. Uh, Be educated, be informed, be encouraged. How is that? If we can be honest with ourselves, the future can be worrisome for many, if not most. It isn't the past that bothers us. The past is gone. Some of the present can bother us a little bit, but it is the unseen tomorrow that can cause us the most anxiety. When it comes to God's Word, here's the reality of it. We have answers for today and we also have answers for tomorrow that's great news because in god's program no matter what we we may be going what may be going on now or in the future god is in control and it will all end well jesus wins bible prophecy rightly understood and rightly taught reminds us that things are not falling apart things are falling into place Amen is right. If nothing else, let our time in the study of the last days in the book of Revelation affirm to you that our Heavenly Father knows precisely what is going to happen. His clock runs in precise, perfect order. Not a year, a month, a week, a day, a minute, or even a second too late or a second too early. In Isaiah chapter 46, God says that He declares the end from the beginning And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. It will happen exactly as God says, exactly on the time scale that he says. Last thing, you ready? Number four is be ready. Um, The Lord does not want us to be caught off guard. He wants us to be ready, right? So I want you to think of this with me. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Once again, it says, I have to turn back there. That's in my Bible, right? Is it in the New Testament? Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation, look at this, of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. See, that was, this was written in 90 AD. That was a long time ago. Almost 2,000 years ago. Shortly take place. Hasn't happened yet. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Shortly take place. Right? Okay. So this term shortly, it comes from the Greek word tacos. Not carnitas. No, there's an H. Carnitas. The root of the English word, tachometer, right? So if you know what a tachometer is, it's next to your odometer on your cars. Most of your cars have a tachometer. 
it gives you your revolutions per minute of your engine speed. So when you, like you're in park and you step on the gas and all of a sudden you hear your engine go, wing, right? Like that, if you have a four-cylinder. If you have an eight-cylinder, right? So different sound. But you get the idea, right? It just revs up. You go from like 800 RPMs to like, you know, 6,000 or whatever like that, right? Super fast. That is the idea. Second definition I want to show you. So shortly, super fast. When it revs up, man, it's going to rev up. Uh, is the word signified. The word signified, where? Look again, verse 1. And he sent and signified it by his angel to the servant, John. Uh, it comes from this Greek word that means with signs or with symbols. Hence, in the book of Revelation, we will come across many signs and symbols. It conveys the teaching that there are signs that signify the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So we have signs. The apostles asked Jesus, give us a sign of your coming. He gave them all kinds of signs. The Bible is full of them. We are told right here in verse 1, there will be signs so that you will know that is shortly coming to pass. How will it happen? You put this word shortly and signs together. It conveys the idea of uh, road signs. All right? So let me, let me explain it to you. I'll illustrate it for you. Look up here on the screen. Look at that, right? Let's say you live in San Diego, California. Look at that. You see the Coronado Bridge back there. And you drew in the sand, I love, I heart, San Diego. You see it up there on the screen. That's you. You did that. But you decided, well, your heart also, you left it in San Francisco. So you're going to go from San Diego to San Francisco. That's about a 500 miles. And you're going to take a drive along the coast. Man, it's a beautiful drive. We were, we were up near San Luis Obispo in Cambria just last week for our anniversary. That place is just beautiful up there. And you drive along the coast and you, you see those great big seals and all the other crazy things that are out there. Just absolutely gorgeous. It's not a 500-mile drive, right? When you start in San Diego, you probably don't even see a sign that says San Francisco, right? You get past L.A., you'll start to see a sign that says San Francisco. It's still a long ways away. You'll be thinking, oh, I don't want to drive that far, right? That's how it works. The closer you get to San Francisco, the more you start to see the signs, right? To the place where you finally, just as you are pulling in, there you can see the city. Oh, there's the sign. It's the Golden Gate. There's the other sign, Civic Center. There it is, right? But the signs start to happen faster and faster as you get closer to your destination. San Francisco, 500 miles, 400 miles. You get closer and closer, 200 miles. What do you get? 50 miles, 40 miles. You get the last 20 miles. San Francisco, 20 miles, 18 miles. 16 miles, right? Faster and faster and faster. Next exit, woo, right? We're here. I got my heart back again. Um, you get the idea? The closer you get, the more rapid these signs signified will take place. Uh-huh. So you look at the Bible. You go back 2,000 years. There were signs, but nothing like the signs we have today. And Israel was not a nation Again, the Jews were not back into the land again. You start to see things now. When we watch things escalate and increase more and more, Jesus, in all of the discourse, Matthew chapter 24, when he's asked about the signs of his coming, he says, after he mentions several things, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and so forth, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows. That term, beginning of sorrows, is labor pains. Also, when Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said of the last day's signs, they would be like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. 
which increase in frequency and intensity. I'm almost done. Really, I am. We are told to watch. Jesus gives us signs. These are signifiers for us that we would pay, pay attention. Mark chapter 13, verse 33. Jesus said, take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Verse 37, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. And he says that with an exclamation mark. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 36, Jesus said, watch, therefore, and pray always. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. So he's saying it to every generation of his people, right? Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. So here's the deal. There are many people that say, you know, you don't really, you shouldn't read the book of Revelation, or you can't understand the book of Revelation, or don't waste your time with the book of Revelation. Uh, you can't take it literally if you do read it and on down. It goes, but God has revealed to us in his word that these things will be sealed up until the time of the end. At the time of the end, the lid will come off, they will be revealed, and the wise will understand. I am going to tell you, I can read the prophetic words that are in the Bible of the second coming of Christ. I can make sense about what is going on in this world. I'm not predicting when Jesus is coming. I don't know. People have been doing that for centuries, and they've been wrong every single time. But I do know this. I can look at things and say things are happening faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. The book of Revelation is not written by the Lord, given to us through his apostle John, so that it would be misunderstood. He doesn't give us a book so we can't understand it. I mean, do you really think that God would give us a book and say, I want to really confuse everybody. I'm going to give them this book so they, whoa, 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 throw that one away. No, why would God do that? God has given us this book so that we would understand. It's intended to be understand. By the way, in verse 2, says john who bore witness to the word of god and to the testimony of jesus christ listen to this at the end of the book of revelation revelation chapter 19 the bible says that the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy people tell me all the time i don't want prophecy i don't want the book of revelation i just want more of jesus according to the book of revelation and the bible itself you don't get more of jesus unless you read the book of revelation and, and I suppose that is why with the, that understanding, with that understanding of this book about Jesus, um, that this book also comes with his blessings. So let me wrap it up with this final thing. Verse 3, look at this. Look at it again. Here's the blessing. Blessed is he who reads, those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written in it, for the time is near. This is the only book in the entire Bible that promises a blessing for those who do these things. Read, hear, and keep. Readers, those are uh, me and you. 
if we read along, right? Right? Here's, uh, uh, here's uh, me and you if you don't fall asleep. <laughs> you know, I can look out here and see who's sleeping right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> but they don't know what I just said. And keepers. What's a keeper? Well, for the record, uh, the word keep here, it means to guard as treasure and to watch over. Um, there are those who love the words of this book, and there are those who do not. I prefer to be in the place of, of blessing. I prefer to guard as treasure uh, these words. And not just the words of the book of Revelation, but the entire word of God to keep it. And uh, what does he promise a, this blessing? To be able to read, hear, and keep his word. Amen?